A friend of mine once told me a trick for how to remember where you put something. Especially if it's not in the typical place for that item. You put it wherever and imagine it exploding. And my Nana, she had a prayer and she'd recite it when something went missing. Jesus was lost, but soon found. I've applied both methods to help me locate something in the past, but Maxine ran off with a credit card some weeks back and stashed it I know not where. So maybe I'll try a combination of the two tactics. Some exploding prayer or something. I don't know. Anyway. Welcome to My Dad. I'm Dad. A podcast for anyone who's ever loved, lost, or anything in between. My name is Doug. It's such a difficult sensation to describe, right? Losing something and knowing it was just right there. You end up feeling lost yourself. Hell, even my daughter quickly shifts in personality if she can't find something she just dropped. And Dad used to misplace his signature flashlight all the time. He always kept it just above the refrigerator, but it would end up in all manner of places as he tinkered around the house. He'd get close to a boiling point of frustration, and something would click, and he'd walk right to it. And there was a day a few years back where my brother and I were watching Dad for the weekend, and he lost something a little more significant than a flashlight. Dad was lying in bed, and Bran and I were in the kitchen. Eventually, Bran went to see if Dad wanted some lunch. A few minutes later, Bran came out of the room and told me Dad had something he wanted to tell me. Dad was lying down and watching something, and he hit me with the wally eyes. Well, shit. This was serious. What's up, Dad? I asked. Uh, pretty nervous? You have to turn the wrench, he said, twisting his wrist. He was intense. He was elsewhere. In short, he had lost his place in time. Oh, okay, Dad. I'll give it a shot. Hold on. You really have to get after it, son. It's on there tight. Okay, Dad. You give me a minute and I'll take care of it. Okay. I left that room and a wave of emotion hit me. Dad's dementia was taking on a new complexity at that time. I don't know if I did the right thing. I'll never feel like I did the right thing. But I chose a tactic that I thought might make Dad feel comfortable in that moment. I went back into the room and assured Dad that I got it. It was all good and he didn't need to worry about it anymore. Are you sure? Yeah, Dad, I got it. Okay. Thank you. And he laid his head back on the pillow and looked relaxed again. This week I sat down to talk with Bethany Marshall. Bethany is a stay-at-home parent, a mother to three, and she has also endured a significant loss in her life. When I sat down and pictured ideal guests for season two of this show, 
Bethany was right near the top. So, take it away, other me. So, how do I prioritize what? Or are you... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting nervous. Can you see this? It's okay, Bethany. It's totally fine. <laughs> Deep breath. First off, hi. How are you? I'm all right. And how about you? <laughs> Very good. I'm just happy to see your face. This is wonderful. It really is. And it's been an interesting day. So it's a nice way to end the day, too. <laughs> now, interesting day. Is that because the kids were a little bit amped up today? Or is it interesting day because things didn't go according to plan today? because things didn't go according to plan. And I know we all have those days, but today we went out to story time at the district library. And then on our way home, we're like, let's get gas and fill up our tires. And the little fill up the tire nozzle broke off in my hand. And so I went from an, a low tire to a completely flat tire in about a minute. Yeah. That was thrilling. But luckily we were at Costco so they could fix it while we waited inside because it was raining outside and we had all the kids. Oh, it was fantastic. Two and a half for three hours of things that we weren't planning to do and wandering around and keeping everybody occupied and fed. So, it, in that case, <laughs> doubly thank you for joining me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I figured we shouldn't reschedule again. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally fine. So knowing that you occasionally run into these kinds of road bumps with three children, how do you in your life attempt to try to find balance with three kids? What is, what does your process look like there? Process. That's funny. You you think I actually have one. Um with three kids <laughs> right now. And with Boaz being under one, balance doesn't really happen so much. It's wonderful that Xavier's home four days of the week and he works only three days over the weekends. So that helps a lot. And we do separate, divide and conquer, right? Not separate and conquer, divide and conquer. He's normally with our oldest two. And then I've got Boaz. And Boaz is going for at least two naps a day. I don't know. Does Maxine still take two naps? She's one. not two yet, is she? Just one. one nap. So that's a lot of time. And <laughs> the thing is, is I can't just walk away from him because we co-sleep and he doesn't know how to get out of bed just yet. So I have to hover around or sometimes I sleep and just take a nap too. And then clean the bedroom or something if I'm awake. And sometimes when he's really deeply asleep, then I'll go and do my own thing and check on him every 10, 15 minutes or so. But back to the whole balance thing. Once he's a little bit older, the balance just starts to come in on its own, right? And what do you mean by balance? Like with the kids and my own life or I don't know. Great question. Give me a little clarification there. More with the kids and your own life and the kids and your life with with Xavier is it all just kind of a giant puzzle piece that you try to figure out or are there separate things that you set aside this is time for you this is time for you and Xavier and this is time for you and the kids and Xavier or is it all just a big mishmash hmm that first year postpartum 
for me always feels like a big mishmash because baby is king for a while, right? I mean, you can say bedtime's at this time, but baby had a bad day and is up screaming an hour later or whatever, you know what I mean? And so the kids have much more of a routine. You know, we're up at a certain time every day. We're in bed at a certain time every night. They have certain things that happen on each day. But with Boaz, it's okay, we get these two naps in, or we hope we do. And then we go from there. This time around, I found a lot more balance than I did with either Ezra or Zozo with having me time. I used to stay up all night and be like, I have time to myself, so now I can do something. And then I just, what do they call that? Sabotage your sleep or whatever. <laughs> and then I'd have to be up in the morning after I'd been scrolling on the phone all night or something. And it was terrible and wonderful all at the same time. Um, but I walk every morning with my mom, which has made my sleep schedule a lot more routine, which is helpful. And then Xavier and I see each other in the evenings after the passing of boats and waving hello, you know, from our respective battlegrounds kind of thing. And we'll hang out, we'll watch a TV show, we'll chat, stuff like that. So I don't know, does that sound like balance to you? <laughs> Honestly, that, that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you because I just, I get so locked in especially being the stay-at-home parent for Maxine, I get so locked in like, wow, is this ever going to be different? Does this ever change? Uh, Will my life ever be quote-unquote normal again? And then I remember, especially with other guests that I've talked to in the show, like, yeah, your kid eventually becomes an adult, and then you are probably going to miss them when they're gone. That That is exactly it. You know, the balance exists in whatever it is that, might make you find peace in a day even if it's only for five minutes and i kind of just genuinely find enjoyment in those times and what you said there about the self-sabotage really resonated with me where you know i work on this podcast and there are some nights where i'm like okay i'll push it i'll push it a little farther all right i'll push it a little farther okay i'm gonna stay up a little bit later yeah, this is great. Oh my God, look at, I have control of everything I could want. <laughs> and then I pay for it triple fold the next day and it's awful. So yes, yeah, that that is, you're, you just seem well put together for dealing with three children. And I think that's the the fun thing about being a parent is that you can always just seem that way if you're putting yourself out there in one particular moment. Like I'm fine right now. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever not fine right now, what what does that look like for you? Do you experience frustrations as a parent ever? Or are you the type that's like, this is my job and this is my life and this is my love and this is what I always wanted to do? Or do you find yourself more the, I love my kids, I want to give them everything, but I also need some time for me right now? All right. So I do love my kids. And in a lot of ways, this is my job and this is my, what do you call it, season in life, right? There are so many things that I want to do. But right now, I'm the stay-at-home parent. We homeschool. I have three children. and You homeschool? Yeah. 
Ezra was supposed to go into kindergarten the year COVID started, right? And we'd always toss it around. My dad's always like, you've got a homeschool. And I'm like, oh, it sounds okay. You know, and then like, <laughs> just not even gonna try. And so we started kindergarten with him here at home. He taught, he basically taught himself how to read. We take a little bit of credit, but not really. And then we've just decided to keep going. Even if I sent him off to public school, there's a school right around the corner over here. I'd still have two other kids at home. And so it's just like, okay, this is what we're doing right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't get frustrated and badly frustrated. So I call them either mommy tantrums or mama rage. And it's not pretty. It doesn't make me look very nice at all. I didn't think that I was the, an angry person or someone who was incapable of regulating my own emotions until Ezra hit about two and a half, three years old and started having tantrums of his own. I was like, I got this parent thing. My kids are pretty easy. I'm pretty laid back. They're just a baby. They're crying. You pick them up. You pat them on the back. You do these things and everything's fine. And then I'm a stay-at-home mom. And at that point in time, Xavier was, I think he was working for Airway, but he was working, you know, 70 hours a week on call one day where he's just in and out all the time. And I was home all the time with this little toddler. And I think I was pregnant at that point in time too with Zoraida and I didn't have any recourse. And this little boy went from being my lovely angel to my very opinionated <laughs> wee one with very decided opinions on all the things. And then he'd get very angry at them or whatever happened. So one day, I remember it very distinctly and it's terrifying. He was having a tantrum about something. It doesn't even matter what it is anymore, right? And we were in the stairwell and whatever happened, it was like I had a wave of rage just crash against me and I could not handle it. And I screamed, I literally screamed at the top of my absolute lungs at this poor little kid about whatever was going on because mama no longer could handle it. And I couldn't get myself out of the situation in time so that he could just cry a little bit on his own and I could remove myself so that I could take a few deep breaths and come back and be the mama that I needed to be at that moment. And it was like one of those out of body experiences people talk about where you're looking at yourself and you're going, who the heck is this lady? Mm -hmm. This isn't who I want to be. This isn't what I know of myself whatsoever. And that was so terrifying. I couldn't tell you what it was about or why. I just know that it happened and I was overwhelmed and probably overstimulated by babies crying, by whatever else was going on. And now I know those triggers so I can remove myself from the situation or try and de-escalate things when I have both Sarita and Ezra screaming at me or whatever else is going on, right? And that makes my 
kids not sound very good at that moment either, but they're lovely most of the time as yeah. four-year-olds and seven-year-olds can be. <laughs> it's not the children necessarily. It's that they're just kids. You know, it's it's not that they are children. It's that they are children in that that's exactly what happens with kids. We were at the pediatrician and they were they were asking us, you know, how many words does Maxine know? And, you know, we, oh, a, a couple. And she hit us with the fact that, you know, well, the better they can communicate at this age, the more it can help with potential meltdowns down the road because they can say specifically, this is what's making me upset. I don't like that. This is making me cry. And it, it clicked for me in the first the first time in a big bad way where I was like, oh, wow, you're absolutely right. I can articulate everything that is upsetting me because I'm an adult. These children mm -hmm. can't. They can run. They can jump. They can smack. They can hit. They can express themselves physically, but verbally and emotionally, not necessarily. So even though I get frustrated all the time and I know exactly what you mean, the constant who am I right now? Who is this person I've just become? I don't want to be this person. Oh, man, it hits all the time, and I wish it didn't. But I appreciate you sharing that story because it's, it's, I feel like it's only natural. It's going to happen. We're adults who can understand that we're being emotional, and our kids can't understand they're being emotional. They're just wonderful kids. Who might be going through a difficult moment, but they have no idea we've just gone through the dog not not doing what the dog is supposed to do and things with the house not being the way they need to be or we've forgotten to do this task or I got to unload the dishwasher or I need to do some laundry in addition to these million things. And I think it's only natural. It sucks when you realize <laughs> like, oh, I just flew off the handle. But I do think it's fine. And from one stay-at-home parent to another, you've always been a huge inspiration to me, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, outside of the fact that we've been friends for years, and I just wanted to see your face. Thank you for that. I will take that as a great compliment that you see me as an inspiration. That's pretty cool. I don't know. The uh, For little ones, like... I think one of the things in my head was that Ezra just came out of nowhere with all these tantrums and I didn't expect it. I thought things were just going to keep going the way they'd gone. And then all of a sudden there was this little guy who's so upset and he's screaming and he's trying to tell me something. Right. And I can't understand what he's trying to say. And then there's all the other things that go into that about, Oh, I can't leave him. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. I've got these little hands he would like grab onto me, you know, and onto my pants or something. So I couldn't go and I'd be like, I need to remove myself from this so that I don't yell at you, buddy. I need you to stay here and I need to go. Mama needs a timeout. And they tell you to do these things. Like I've read, I don't really read parenting books, right? But I follow a couple parenting social media entities, I guess you'd call them, that I really enjoy. And they tell you to do these things, but what do they do? What do you do when a little one won't let you go? Which sounds ridiculous because, you know, you pick them up 
and you set them down and you walk away, but it's never that simple, right? Of course not. Um, And so I know now how to like curb those mama rages or tantrums to where I can talk it through, be like, you need to remove your hands from me. I need to go. I'll be right back. And then I can take care of myself for a little bit and come back. But I also have to be curious about why I'm getting triggered by these things too, right? And some of it is just, I can't understand. Not understand. You hear that? (laughs) I hear that noise quite often in a day. (laughs) Um, You guys need to not knock on the door like that, please. Give me a minute, please. She's my catastrophe kid. Yeah. Why catastrophe kid? Why catastrophe? Oh, Ezra is very agile. You know, he was walking super early. He was climbing, leaping, teaching his older cousins how to jump from the third stair or whatever. And everything she tries, she ends up with boo-boos and bruises and bumps and catastrophe kid yeah sounds like maxine about this about this time right now she is she i i constantly say she is a savant at hurting herself she will find every or every corner (laughs) every edge she's she's just started like backup walking out of nowhere she just likes to walk backward now amazing super fun but she'll just walk backward into like a glass table on the back of her head or you know, walk over shoes and just fall down or be grabbing a baby doll. And it, it's all wonderful and it's all beautiful and it's amazing to watch. But she just constantly, I mean, like two, three weeks ago, her face looked like a, a, a bad piece of meat. Just like so many bruises and so many things like, what do you, what do you even do to yourself, kid? I don't know. I don't know. She's gotten better. But for for a two, three week span there, she was just hitting every single hard surface she could in the house with as many limbs and parts of her body that she could. I mean, I I would turn my back for two seconds and I'd just hear crying and then I'd look and there she would be like face on the ground, full body splayed out. I'm like, how what I don't even know what happened. And she would cry for a little bit and then be fine. She's got a talent. I, I exactly. It's like it's what her <laughs> life's mission was was to just hurt the hell out of herself. Look great. <laughs> anyway, okay, so you were talking about getting yourself out of those tantrum spaces and knowing what your kids needed versus what you needed. Trying to collect my thoughts again. For for a lot of what I've learned is that I get overstimulated by noise, which is ironic, right? If there's all this stuff coming at me and then I can't pull out the relevant things that I need to hear so that I understand what's going on, my patience goes from here to here in 0.6 seconds and I'm ready for a fight. My kids know that they have to look at me. They have to show me their face. I have to see their lips and they need to talk to me. I can't 
I can't understand anything if they're crying words at me or whining words at me or yelling words at me. And so all of those things can just build up, especially if the communication has broken down somewhere in there and they're kids, right? You can tell them these things all day and they're still gonna bounce around and start talking to you while they're twirling around and going on tiptoe and cartwheels and whatever else. When I need you to say whatever you're saying and look at me, look at me, <laughs> right? So that's just normal communication. But then when emotions get big and noises get big and everything, and then there are two kids or something going at the same time, it's really nice to have another parent in the house, which I don't know if Amanda's always, or Amanda's as available as Xavier is since he's around for four days of the week. And there she is again. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Boaz is crying. Boaz is crying. Oh, thank you. Lola will be back. Thank you. <laughs> this is what you get when you try and talk to a mom. <laughs> hi, Boaz. Can you see? Say hi, dog. Hi. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sweet dude. Are you ready? Here, you can sit right here. Yeah. Yeah, you get there. <laughs> well, this is actually a perfect opportunity to ask. We we just got into it. You have hearing loss. You you've been a very musically inclined person. Throughout most of your life. As a matter of fact, I think one of the first times I met you was talking with a mutual friend, a friend Matt Blodgett, about how you two had met in music in, in school. Mm -hmm. What music might play in your head when you consider your family or if you're rocking Boaz just like you are right now or talking with your kids? Is there still music that plays constantly in your mind as you're considering your family or is there any music that helps you get over a frustration or do you find that considering music, in addition to the sounds that may occur with your family, uh, can be distracting? I still sing to my kids a lot. If I, I can't really listen to music. If I'm listening to music, then it needs to be me pulled up in the computer room with the music cranked. And it has to be a recording. It can't be live or anything like that. Calming me down? No, but I sing to the kids and I've always sung to the kids when they were upset. Um, I have a little, a mini repertoire <laughs> of songs. There's a, um, a Russian song that translates to Oh Frost. So it, I only sing it when it's cold out. <laughs> or right now the kids and I are singing Senor Don Gato, which is about a cat who falls off a roof and breaks all the things, almost dies, and is resurrected by the smell of fish. Um, <laughs> Amazing. So, I don't know. I guess I I miss having a musical household. We do. We did get a piano. Um, 
So we're all kind of learning. And, but I don't, I don't have it playing over the speakers or something like when we're cleaning the house, there's no rocking out to Michael Jackson's thriller. Like when I was a kid, right. <laughs> um, what other things do we sing, buddy? The other day when I was trying to rock him to sleep, some song that I sang in high school, not even high school, a grade school musical just popped out of nowhere. And so we sang that one. It just completely depends on the day. Do you have specific songs? The the, the constant lullabies for Maxine for me are <laughs> Good King Wentz. She loves that Christmas carol, just the, the melody of it. So, na, 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 na. And then the themes for Jurassic Park. Do you hear that? Oh, I hear it. <laughs> so you like singing to her? Yeah, I love singing to her. It it just it makes me very happy. But what makes me happier was hearing the way that you are with your kids and how effortless the communication is, even though there's a barrier there. You're so you're so good at being mom. It makes me feel like I can still be good at being dad when she's older. Cause I always, I always worry about that. Am I going to be good enough at that point? Am I going to be not frustrated enough by that point? Will I be doing this well enough and seeing the way that you've been a parent since Ezra came along has always been hugely inspirational to me and continues to be inspirational to me and hearing these things in the background just made me smile a lot like i almost wish i was recording the video because i was just smiling so big in in, in my heart and actually on my mouth you're just very of course frustrated and of course you have a difficulty that is largely kind of unbelievably insurmountable but your kids still just trust you to be mom and they come to you for comfort. And that is just a magical kind of thing that I feel like we discount in the human experience more often than not. Mm -hmm. With the hearing loss, do you find that there's any sort of silver lining or is it just frustration for you? Um, I have, there's gotta be a silver lining, right? Poor Xavier. Like right now, the silver lining is when Boaz starts screaming in the car. I either almost just can't hear it or I can turn off my hearing aids if I really don't want to hear it. And poor Xavier is subjected to the full blast of this poor kid's lungs, which is much louder than either of the other two's ever were at this age. And he can he gets visibly rattled by that because especially when you're trapped in a car i mean did maxine like to be ridden in the car or no she in still the car? does not nope no so no traveling when she was really young nope pandemic baby she barely went anywhere true there's the pandemic thing too sometimes i forget about that <laughs> which is funny right pandemic baby oh maxine <laughs> Yeah, um, there are silver linings, but they come in small revelations like, oh, I don't have to hear that. Um, or 
as jokes and then people think that I'm trying to pour a pit pull a pity blah. I can speak words promise <laughs> I know you can <laughs> I'm trying to pull a pity party or something and it's no I've been living with this for almost 20 years and I may be deaf now but I was hearing for almost half of my life actually still more than half of my life and it's something that I've learned how to live with and I like to think I do it pretty well at least if I'm in person and it's it's not a pity party it doesn't mean that I'm okay with it all the time or that it doesn't bring me down or that I don't cry over it but I have been so lucky to I mean I married a man who was willing to learn ASL for me and his family which I can't if the shoe was on the other foot and I was fully hearing, I don't know if I would have been willing to learn Spanish for his family. So that's really humbling. I have friends who've been willing to do that for me. I have friends like you who have thought about captions for your podcast kind of thing, which other people wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a blip on their radar. I have friends who ask me when we go for a walk which side they need to stand on so that they're on my goodier side versus my badier side, which really doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> but um, I found an amazing community, community of people who accept me and accommodate me for who I am, which from all of the... Uh, I'm on a few different Facebook pages and stuff like that with people, other people who have had hearing loss and sudden hearing loss whose family are just like, oh, you just don't want to hear or you hear what you want to or you just need to try harder and things like that. And it's really mind boggling to me. I can't even comprehend how that would even happen because my experience has been so different than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Where were we going? <laughs> the whole reason this show existed in the first place was to be able to shed light on on stories or experiences that are often marginalized or pushed to the side as, well, that's going to be their thing they have to deal with. There's a lot of people who don't want to, especially in times of loss, talk to you about a loss or acknowledge that a loss may be imminent for themselves. And hearing loss is an enormous loss because you have to walk through your everyday life now raising children. You're holding Boaz right now. <laughs> you have to walk through life knowing full well that you have two responsibilities. One, to yourself, and two, to your children, and you have to accommodate things for yourself. But you're my friend, so of course, I'm going to go the extra mile to make sure you feel welcome and accommodated whenever you're near me, or whenever you're enjoying something that I put out there. If you want to listen to a podcast that I made, come hell or high water, I will figure out a way to get captions on there. Full stop. I'll never not do that. And strangely enough, in, in my life, I've come across so many people who just have so many what seem like 
potentially small things going on in their life that are not small things. They're enormous things. They're lifelong influential things that need to be addressed and accommodated in order to walk through life feeling okay. Hey, Boaz, I see you. (laughs) And I just, I can't imagine having three children fully hearing. I can't imagine it. So the fact that you do what you do as well as you do with only mild frustrations is is something that I will always light a torch for. Mild frustrations. You wait, Maxine's going to get to be so like she's adorable and she's wonderful. And yes, I know you have frustrations because toddlers are frustrations and little balls of chaos. But then oh like <laughs> last night, bedtime, right? Um I had to go and see if I couldn't get my parents' cat in their house while they're gone. And I come back and I hear the pitter-patter of little feet because my kids share a room. And I come upstairs to make sure that they're in bed. Oh no, they've been playing with the water in the bathroom. And I now have the cardboard toilet paper roll, sopping wet and pasted to pasted to the uh, the shower walls. <laughs> and then it, it, it's just stuff like this. And I've taken, we've taken out their lights in their bedroom so that they have to go to bed because otherwise Xavier and I would literally be sitting on the other side of their door. And every time a light goes on, we'd be turning it off, go to bed. <laughs> and And then they still find ways to create chaos and havoc because it's interesting and their impulse control is in its infancy or non-existent in Zoraida's case since she's four. (laughs) Seven is where that impulse control like starts, right? And then somewhere in your 20s, all that finally solidifies. If I'm remembering my science correctly. <laughs> well, I'm glad you actually put it in a real world perspective too. Cause like my impulse control really didn't start to click in until I would say, Oh, 28, 30. <laughs> 28. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just the kind of chaos and havoc that they wreak because they're supposed to be trying out their boundaries and pushing the boundaries and seeing what they can get away with and everything. And it's fun to laugh about later, but in the moment, that's a serious frustration, right? This past year, we were trying to, not trying, I was actually while pregnant, painting the kitchen because dear God, I'm so tired of looking at beige. And all it is, is the um, the primer paint. And it's in the big gallon something or other bucket, the big plastic ones. And I think, no, my kids can't get into this. So I'm just going to leave my paint stuff there. I go out running errands and Xavier's literally in the other room reading on the couch or something, who knows? And I walk in, I say hi to Xavier. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And then I say, "Um, you know, where are the kids? 
And then I walk into the kitchen and there is a puddle, a puddle of paint primer all over my kitchen floor. And the children have taken paintbrushes and helped. And I hope you can hear that air quotes helped. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I took pictures of it because I knew it was gonna be hilarious later, but I was so furious. Oh my goodness, so furious. I could have just completely lost it. <laughs> but it's funny now, these are the things that you have to look forward to, but Maxine's going to put on her own little spin and it's gonna be great. And you're gonna be so mad in the moment, but I hope you remember <laughs> that you'll laugh and they will be wonderful stories someday too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, were, the, <laughs> were the kids covered in paint? That's how I knew. Oh. You just reminded me, I got out of the van and I saw them playing in the front. So I didn't ask Xavier where the kids were. The kids were playing in the front yard and I noticed that they had paint on them, but they have some of their own paint. So I asked them, I go, where's that paint come from? And I don't remember what their answer was, but I remember saying, I really hope that's not mama's primer. That would have been an even better story if I'd told it from like linearly, but still. No, that's that's a perfect story just the way you told it. And thank you for, you know, making me feel like the next few years are going to be uh, even more interesting. Like, I, that was actually another question I wanted to ask you was whether or not you consider the future of your children versus the way your children are today. And that kind of almost answers it for me. Like, you know, you know, at a certain point, like this, this is really frustrating right now. And this is difficult right now. Tomorrow or even a week from now, it could be really funny. But right now it's frustrating. But do you ever look at your kids and think, because I've talked to guests for this season that have dropped off their kids at college or somebody with their kids in first and first grade in kindergarten do you consider the future for your kids or are you as a stay-at-home parent like me constantly thinking this is the day right now this is all i need to focus on for so much of it i'm definitely just living in the here and now when i get overly upset or when i have a mama tantrum which thank god has not happened in a very very long time now um i think oh my god i've ruined my child for life or children they're going to hate me and they'll never love me again or I've caused them so much trauma or something like that. But so much of it is just living in the moment because that's all I can do is deal with the situation right here, right now and hope that as they grow and as I help mold them into little human beings that they help me become a better human being too. <laughs> and I can tell you that they've definitely done that so far the jury's out on whether I've helped them become good little human beings, but I'm hoping we're going to do pretty well, huh, buddy? You think so? I think so. Well, from knowing the type of person you are and knowing the type of person Xavier is and seeing the way that your kids existed and lived and thrived before Boaz came along, before the pandemic, I get the feeling that's the way it's going to be. I think uh, they will... 
they will transition into just fine and very well-adjusted little human beings. And I don't want to keep you too long because I know you've got Boaz there and I don't want you to be you know, frustrated <laughs> with the other kids there. But I want to say thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for telling your story. And if anybody out there listening is dealing with anybody who might begin or, or might be at the early stages of hearing loss or if they have a family member who is starting to incur hearing loss, are there any resources you could point to or is there anything, any advice that you might have for someone who has a family member that has hearing loss uh, that they might be able to take advantage of so that they can accommodate their family member or their friend very well? I do. I have suggestions. One is learn good communication practices. So, I mean, we should do these with everybody, but hearing people, that's so strange to say as a former hearing person, have the habit of talking while they're doing all the things. So your back is turned while you're doing dishes and you're yelling at somebody else. To, Can you come bring me the dishes from the, you know, from the table or something like that? And you're not looking at somebody, you're not showing them your face. People who are experiencing hearing loss or are deaf, they need to see your full face. They need to see your expressions. Um, a lot of people can read lips. That doesn't mean that everybody can lead, read lips. I tend to do it very, very well. It was a survival tactic when I start, first started losing my hearing. Um, you can try and find your deaf and hard of hearing services in your city or town, and they can help you with phones, captioned phones. They can help you with learning ASL. If you want to learn sign language, sign language has been immensely helpful. Even just the um, finger spelling for me for missing words, because there's some words that I just can't get. I will sit there and repeat it to Ezra five trillion times and I miss it every time. And he laughs at me hysterically and then tries again, which is amazing and wonderful. And I hope he never stops that. If someone thinks that they have a hearing loss, hearing aids are amazing. Um, so go and get your audiogram and see where your hearing loss is. And if you're a candidate for hearing aids, I could even give you, like send you a list of links after this so that you could leave it on your podcast for those sorts of things, if you want me to do that. Because there's so many things that you can do for people who are experiencing hearing loss. And for people specifically who have gone through sudden hearing loss, like myself, I ask that if you are friends and family of that person that you sympathize with them and you uh, let them grieve. It's very relevant, especially since I've experienced it so many times. And are patient. <laughs> it's when you go from being hearing to not hearing overnight, it is incredibly scary and depressing and you just don't know it's you just don't know what's going on in a lot of ways or where you're going or how you're going to move from this day onwards because you've only known one other thing beforehand and now all of a sudden all of it's gone. So yeah, I can send you those links so that you can leave them under the uh, podcast link or something too. Please do. And yeah, I'm leaving all of that in because hearing loss 
and loss and death and dementia like what my dad uh, endured or or being just a normal hearing person without dementia and understanding that someone in your life is enduring those things they're not mutually exclusive they all have a venn diagram of similarity in the middle and that's learning how to move forward and we can't do that without understanding somebody else's experience like you said sympathize empathize we can't do that without hearing stories of other people that have gone through it so that we might be familiar that it is something we might encounter in our lives and i've said it before i'll say it again your story is one that is extremely inspirational to me because every time i talk with you it's just about normal life stuff now all of us in the friend circle have made sure that we understood, okay, this is how we can help make sure that Bethany understands us better. But as a direct result of that, we just have conversations whenever we talk and we understand one another. Mm -hmm. You may not hear me particularly well, but I want you to understand what I've got to say. And more importantly than that, I want to hear everything you've got to say and I want to understand it. And I want you to know that I appreciate anything you have to communicate with me. So thank you so much for taking the time this evening, especially with holding Boaz. And hey, I got to meet him. That's great. <laughs> I'm so excited you got to meet him even over video. There he is. Little guy. He's so cute. I never <laughs> like I was never one of those guys pre-baby that would just be like, Can I could I squeeze your baby's cheeks? But that's all I want to do. I just want to squeeze his cheeks. <laughs> that's so great the cheekies are great they are thank you so much again i didn't want to take up too much of your time especially with young boaz here i didn't mean to have so many kids interrupting but <laughs> it's perfectly fine i knew it was a possibility this is a show <laughs> that is all about what the possibility of parenting might look like and yours is a story that i could not wait to share with the world if you were willing and I can't thank you enough for being willing. And it was so good to see you. And I hope you have a wonderful night. <laughs> thank you for having me. Of course. There was another night a few years back where dad endured a dissociation episode and he ended up in the hospital. Amanda and I went to stay with mom and dad for that week. We wanted to be there and we wanted to help if we could. During that week, there was one talk with Dad that will never, ever leave me. We asked how he was feeling, and he really acknowledged the issues with his memory for the first time to Amanda and I. He struck a pose I hadn't seen in years, his explanation pose, and calmly explained that sometimes he felt like he had static in his brain, and in those moments he wasn't able to say what he wanted to say. He put on a smile that felt more like a frown and looked at us with eyes that said plainly, I'm sorry you have to worry about me. It's not easy to tell someone going through something like that that we only wanted to be there for him, to help him and let him know he was loved. But I'd like to think he could feel it. If you know anyone going through a life-altering loss or a transition in their life, do what you can to make them feel comfortable when you're with them 
even if it's just a phone call. I promise you won't regret it. All the information Bethany sent about hearing loss will be available in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of My Dad, I'm Dad. New episodes come out on Mondays during the season cycle. If you like what you heard, you can follow along over on social media. We have a Facebook and an Instagram, at MDIDpod. If you'd like to be a guest, drop by and say hi, or you've got anything you'd like to say at all, please send me an email, mdidpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you as always to Andy Bird for the use of the tunes in the show. And finally, here's a little Wally wisdom to close out the week. Dad and I were out golfing once, just he and I. And as we approached the back nine, he asked me to uh, drive the cart near the tall grass. Right now. Well, I pulled off and I watched Dad shuffle into cover. And about five minutes later, I suspected Dad was about some business. No bathrooms on the golf course, you know what I mean? Son, I heard Dad say. Son, I need your help. Long story short, I helped cut his underwear so there could be a uh, fresh start to the remaining round of golf. So don't ever be afraid to ask for help. I'm pretty sure you'll find that those who love you will always be there for you when and if you need them. We'll see you next time, folks.